0: Welcome to the Total Freedom Podcast, where you can build your total freedom lifestyle and live your life doing what you want, when you want, with whomever you want. And now, here is your host, John Racine. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Total Freedom Podcast. I am your host, John Racine. I appreciate you tuning in. This is episode one. On today's episode, I just wanted to give you a little bit of backstory to tell you about me and how I got to where I'm at today and why I have the Total Freedom Podcast as the way it is now. So I was born uh, to a single mother back up in Rhode Island here in the United States of America. I was born in the smallest city in the smallest state. The city was called Central Falls, Rhode Island, and I grew up in what we called a tenement house. As a lower income child, uh, my mom worked two jobs uh, right around the time I was born. She was collecting welfare, which is a system to provide uh, food and some support for low income people who are struggling. And I remember my mom telling me about that as I got a little bit older and talking about the value of a work ethic and how she was able to get herself out of that And she did everything she could to put me into the best school that she could. It was a a local Catholic elementary school that I went to for the first uh, six years of my schooling. And I remember that I struggled quite a bit in that Catholic school back then. I was a, a chubby slash fat little boy and I had trouble making friends and I remember getting harassed or teased, as it would be called, on my first day of school there, and I just kind of always felt like a bit of an outsider there and uh, never really made any friends. I was just kind of shy and kept to myself, and uh, the the biggest change in my life happened on Halloween morning when I was 10 years old. I had been having some uh, pains in my My stomach and back, and my mom thought maybe it was an appendicitis or worse, maybe I was just trying to get out of school for a couple of days. And uh, she called my pediatrician back when you could call the doctor and they could call orders and prescriptions ahead to wait for you. And the doctor said, take them over to the emergency room. I'll be over there shortly. So she took me to the emergency room on that Halloween morning. And they ran a test for appendicitis because that was what they thought it was. And they came back a little while later and asked her about a family history of diabetes. And I didn't really know what diabetes was on that Halloween morning. But I do remember it was a TV show that I watched when I was a kid. This was back in the 80s. And the TV show was called uh, Webster. And Webster was an orphaned boy who was adopted by a family. And I remember on an episode that I had seen not long before I heard the word diabetes in the family, I remember there was an episode where Webster's adopted family had witnessed a relative, a blood relative of Webster's in a bathroom at a party at their house with an incredibly large syringe in his hand. And it was one of those old school style syringes that you may picture from the, the 30s and 40s with the two finger holes for the with the plunger on it and kind of a glass tube that looked really large and a very, very long needle. And I remember the whole point of that episode was that Webster's uncle, I'm yeah, Webster's uncle in that episode was a diabetic and he was taking his insulin injection. So my ten-year-old mind instantly jumped to that point in time, saying, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to take this this big injection." And what I didn't realize at that point was that I was going to have to do injections every day. And you know, I eventually got through that. Uh, the doctors brought in with the syringe that I would have to use and the insulin that I would have to use. And you know, the syringe was only about half an inch long, and and it was very very small. And it became fairly minor, but it was such a turning point in my life at that point because I was a kid. I liked to eat candy and cake, and and my favorite were these hostess apple pies that I absolutely used to love to eat. And then my whole life was going to change after that point, and it certainly did. So that was where the the first real major uh, challenge in my life had come from. Right around that time, also, my mom had been dating uh, a man who. I will admit, and, and I painfully say it today, I absolutely despised the man. I, I did not like him. Uh, I thought he was mean. Some people might call him a, a strict disciplinarian, but for me, it was way more than that. And uh, I found out after the fact that most of his his life was a, a lie, and he'd been lying to my mom. He had been lying to me. So I had a really poor father figure growing up with this, this lying, cheating man who was my, and I'm air quoting father figure. And it it just didn't work for me and, and had a lot of struggle with him. And uh, he eventually passed away while I was in high school. And he was in the process of moving out uh, from my mom to move in with another woman. And he was uh, still married to his wife, we found out uh later on after the fact and and most of what we knew about him had been a lie so i had been exposed to all of this didn't like this man and, and it was really something that i had to deal with with growing up i had some successes when i was younger i became an eagle scout when i was in high school and because i became an eagle scout my father came back into my life my biological father the the man i now called dad he had divorced my mom when I was about six months old. So I did grow up without him. And he, his wife, uh, at that point in time, had seen an article in the newspaper about me uh, being becoming an Eagle Scout. So he sent me a card congratulating me and, and kind of started opening the door for me to start having a relationship with my dad, which I still have to this day. I, I talk to him all the time. I see him and... and I'm sorry for the years that we didn't spend together, but it was right at the... I think maybe I was a sophomore in high school, maybe a junior, when I first started having contact with my dad. Shortly after that, I got my driver's license and got into a really bad car accident about a year after I got my license. My best friend and I were in my my new pickup truck, not brand new, but new to me, pickup truck. I got into a pretty serious accident that the city determined was not my fault. But at the point I got into that accident, I hit an aluminum light pole dead center of the the pickup truck. And my best friend, when it was all said and done, when when I got the vehicle out of the way and and up on the sidewalk and stopping blocking traffic, he got out of my truck and collapsed and said, John, I can't walk. So here I am panicking as a 17-year-old thinking I have paralyzed my best friend for life. And that uh, that really just kind of sat with me for quite a bit. I didn't drive for a while. He ended up being okay. It was just uh, the shock of the incident and, and he brought to the hospital, released that night. Everything was fine and, and he was okay. Uh, but I just remember that turmoil happening around that time. Uh, I was uh, accepted into college early. I did my senior year of high school And my freshman year of college, at the same time, I went to Johnson and Wales University, which was my dream. When I was 10, right around the time I was diagnosed as a diabetic, actually shortly before I was diagnosed, I had gone to Walt Disney World for the very first time and I fell in love with it and decided that I wanted to make my working life revolve around Walt Disney World. So I looked at places that I could go where I might be able to get hired by Walt Disney World. And I had this the skill and aptitude for cooking because of my experience in the Boy Scouts, where I had become a pretty darn good cook. I decided I was going to pursue a culinary and hospitality program with Johnson and Wales University. So I was the first person in my family to graduate from college. I had my bachelor's degree and was recruited by Walt Disney World. And I moved down to Orlando, Florida, started working there. And about a year later, I decided that I didn't want to wait seven to 10 years at that point in time to get promoted to the next level. I had spent tens of thousands of dollars on my college education at that point. And I knew that in the industry, the hospitality industry, I should be able to be promoted to a general manager in about three to five years, not seven to 10. So I decided to pack it up and move up to Jacksonville, Florida to work for. Another restaurant company. And while all of this was going on, I was uh, racking up credit card debt. I had gotten credit cards in college. It's very easy or it was very easy to get credit cards in college. So I would, I would run them up, pay them down, run them up, pay them down. So that continued on during this process. Moved up to Jacksonville, went to work for another restaurant company, uh, which I enjoyed. And I actually only worked for them for a short period of time because I couldn't handle the pressure. I remember sitting in a meeting, we would meet all of the managers once a week. I want to say it was a Wednesday morning, but it might not have been. And there were some things that weren't happening properly. And the general manager got mad and said in this meeting, when my district manager comes in and asks why it's not done, I'm going to point at you. And he pointed his finger right at me. And all this emotion just kind of welled up in me. And I said, you know what? You can tell them it's you because I quit and I threw my keys on the table and and walked out of the job. So there was a critical thing that I had done that looking back was really stupid. But you know what? I don't regret it because it guided my path in life to get to where I'm at today. So I did walk out of that job. They did ask me to go back and I ended up not going back. I took the first job I could find working for a uh, car rental company. Which I kind of hated. It was a actually par- partly a sales job. Yes, people would come in. We were a, a secondary rental tar- rental car type of company, meaning we were situated in a car dealership. So when someone was having their car serviced, they would get a loaner from us, and then we were open to the public as well. So we were graded and judged on being able to sell things like collision damage waiver and liability insurance. And all of that and i never considered myself to be an incredibly good salesperson at that i felt i felt this was my perspective on it that we were uh, milking people out of money to to line the coffers of the company when people really didn't need that coverage because most quality insurance car insurance companies were going to provide that coverage Looking back now, I was misguided in those beliefs, but those were my beliefs because I was taking my own internal representations of the facts and interpreting them for my customers and the people that were renting those cars or getting the loaners from us. And it was an incredibly valuable lesson that I learned there. But I worked at that job for a little while up in Jacksonville, and then eventually I was able to move back to Orlando, which is where I love my favorite place uh, to live ever. So I moved back to Orlando. I went to work for the nonprofit. I actually went to work for the Boy Scouts of America as a paid professional. It was a noble job. It was a difficult job. It was a challenging job. I felt that at that point in time that I had a tyrant boss. And if you kind of notice the theme here, I keep saying my boss, my boss, my boss. Uh, I just wanted to take a quick minute to thank you for listening to the Total Freedom Podcast. I hope you're enjoying and getting value out of what you're listening to. So I want to invite you to subscribe, rate, and review the Total Freedom podcast. This will help us to share the message with more people so that they can overcome the challenges in their life, become more resilient, and achieve the life of their dreams. So again, subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks so much. And that was how I could place blame. But looking back, I realized it was on me because I either wasn't doing the things that I needed to do or my perspective was not where it needed to be. So I worked for them. I had raised a ton of money in public presentations, in one-on-one presentations. I recruited a ton of youth into the programs, Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, and the Career Exploring Program. And we were coming up into 2000. Right before that, um, I had declared bankruptcy because of all my my poor credit card usage. And what I also blamed on the healthcare system back when I first came into the working world, you could actually be restricted from medical coverage on a pre-existing condition for up to 12 months. So I was a diabetic, I needed insulin, I needed syringes, I needed blood testing strips, I needed urine testing strips, all of these different things that I needed, I would not get coverage for, I would have to pay full out of pocket. So I had racked up a fair amount of medical bills Along with the credit cards. But truthfully, it was more the credit card bills than anything because I was just really stupid with money back then. So I had declared bankruptcy. And then a short time later, coming up into the new millennium, uh, my tyrant boss, and I'm air quoting tyrant because that was my own representation of him, had decided that I was no longer a fit for the Boy Scouts of America. So I was fired for the first time in my life from that job. And this was right before. Uh, January 1st of 2000, the Y2K, which uh, everybody around the world was concerned that computers were not going to be able to handle a four digit year switching from 1999 to 2000. So right before that, uh, I was, I was fired first time ever in my life. And uh, after that, I ended up going back into the restaurant industry, which I didn't want to do, but it was what I knew. And I became a manager of a subway for one of the larger subway franchisees in the world. And I absolutely hated it. It really kind of made me think about why I had gotten out of the industry uh, and to begin with, because I hated the hours, the week, weekends, the late nights, and the location that I was managing was, in my humble opinion, not a great location. However, it was a profitable location and I just really, really hated that job. So I lasted there about, uh, I think it was about five or six months. And then I went to the first job that I lasted for more than a year. Because up until that point in time, must be talking about six or seven years out of college. This was the first job where I had lasted uh, for more than a year. And this was the rent-to-own company where I met uh, the guy who's now my best friend in the world, Chad, and uh, some other amazing people that I'm still friends with and do business with, uh, Phil, who was my boss and has become a very dear friend. And I actually performed his wedding ceremony in the state of Florida. You can actually do weddings if you're a notary. And I was a notary back then. So I performed his wedding and and his wife actually worked for me, uh, which was kind of funny. Uh, So I, I know several people from that company and it was the rent to own. And that's where I really started to hone my human resources skills, which is typically what I'm known for professionally now. Uh, I started in rent to own company as a collector, then as a salesperson where I actually learned I was actually pretty good at sales, even though I didn't think I was. Eventually I became a general manager and uh, I was struggling as in my second location as a general manager. Uh, It was a very high volume location and it was in a, an area of town that I struggled to connect with the customers with. So I was moved to another location, a little bit smaller location and I had decided that I I really wasn't meant to be a a general manager with that company. And they came to me and said, hey, John, you've got this great legal skill that you've been doing. I was helping to collect some of our products from people that didn't want to pay. Why don't you become a legal coordinator for all of our operations and help stores to recover their products? So I actually did do that. I became, uh, and I'm air quoting, a legal expert, or at least on this one particular Uh, tactic that you can use in the state of Florida to recover lease-to-own or rent-to-own product that wasn't being paid for or returned. And I did that for several months. And that eventually led to me becoming a corporate trainer for that company, where I would have a training center in the center of Florida, a training center down in South Florida. I would conduct training classes three to four days a week. And I would assist in stores on a Friday help them with training and new managers and new staff and all of that. And that was where I really got into the human resources side of things. That eventually led me to quit that job to go down an entrepreneurial path working for somebody else as a 1099 employee. And I was helping a gentleman who was teaching people how to get corporate credit. You set up an LLC or a C-corp a typical corporation, and getting corporate credit, things like credit lines, credit cards, lines of credit, and things like that. And uh, he had guaranteed the pay for three months. It was a a struggle to be paid on a regular schedule. The leads that I was expecting, he was supposed to do all of the lead generation, wasn't happening, and it wasn't a really good fit for me. And uh, after the three months... I was essentially out of work, out of income. So I again went back to the working world of, of being a W 2 employee, we call it in America. And I went to work for one of the, what used to be the largest retailer uh, in the country back in the day, Sears. And I became a manager for them. I was a, a third level manager, which means there were two people ahead of me the general manager and one other manager. And I was the next one in charge. And I found I absolutely hated traditional retail. I, I despised it. Uh, I just did not like it. The planograms and and all of these other things. And it just it wasn't a fit for me and who I was and what I wanted to do. And uh, I remember I was in charge of the electronics and the appliances. And they actually gave the manager sales goals, which I didn't think was right because my entire team was commissioned. And if I was taking a sale, I was taking commission money out of their pocket. But I was given a, a sales goal and I started selling uh, appliances and electronics and I would discount floor models to sell the floor models. And that apparently caught Sears's attention and they didn't like the fact that I was discounting floor models and. Then I was fired for the second time. And the last time in my career, uh, I, I didn't understand the logic. They were struggling financially, and I was bringing in revenue. Um, there was something known as a depreciation where the value of the the items was being charged to the store. So the remaining what's called a book value, was well below what I had sold it for. And when I was let go, I was told that I wasn't maintaining price integrity. And I didn't understand price integrity on a used item. I definitely got it on a new item, none of which were ever discounted. But regardless, I was let go there and and amazing, valuable lessons learned through that process. And then I was unemployed For about three or four months after that, I was fired right before Black Friday, which is uh, the Friday after Thanksgiving here in America, which meant great. I didn't have to do the Black Friday stuff, and uh, I ended up not getting another job until March of the following year, and that job was in California. So I had to pack up my whole life, move over to California. My mom and her boyfriend were living out there, so I moved in with them and started working as a human resources manager uh, for a good company with an amazing manager, an amazing mentor, my, my good friend, Renee, who I knew corporate training. I knew how to be a trainer. I knew how to do all of those things. And I had some basic human resources knowledge, but he took me in and absolutely taught me the human resources industry. And I propelled from there. I worked for that company for about seven years. I got promoted to a director of human resources, instead of just being an HR manager. I worked at a couple of different hotels with that company. I did a task force assignment for several months in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. The general manager there tried to court me to, to move there and be the director there, which I considered, but I really wanted to get back to Florida. I left that company and uh, was still running up my credit cards. Again, you think I would have learned after the, the, the bankruptcy, but I was running up credit cards. I was starting to invest in my dream of learning how to be a, an internet marketer, to be able to speak and sell on stages and in on webinars. And uh, where I started making, meeting some of my, my current mentors, people from Speaking Empire like Dave Van Hoos and Dustin Matthews, and eventually uh, the greatest speaking coach I've ever met, Joel Bauer. So I was building up my internet marketing on the side while i was working for various hotel companies and uh, eventually i was given the opportunity after uh, three different hotel companies out there and uh, different struggles and strife and uh, having my mom with me and her losing a job where companies closed down because they weren't solvent enough uh, to be able to support both of us maintaining the house in florida with the property manager and tenants in place I was eventually able to relocate back to the East Coast of Florida, back to my home where I currently am in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Again, not without trouble and strife because I had to claim my second bankruptcy shortly after I moved back to Florida because I didn't learn the lessons the first time. While I was in California, I heard one of my current coaches, Harriet Hale, who I've mentioned in other episodes talk and and I connected with her and started circling in her universe and not too long ago she started asking me John with all of the things that you've been through in your life with the multiple bankruptcies with the multiple being fired with uh, being tormented as a fat kid with the diabetes with a recent celiac diagnosis with growing up without a father and and, and the the tormented uh, stepfather that I'm air quoting what is your message? What is, how do you encapsulate that? And I thought about it and I said, only thing you can control in life is how you react to life." and a light bulb lit up for her. And she said, John, that's it. That is your message. You have been through some tremendous and incredibly difficult experiences. And your message is the only thing you can control in life is how you react to life. And it really kind of hit me. Yes, you're absolutely Right. So that kind of takes me to today where I'm at as creating my resolve system that helps people to control how they're reacting to life, how to overcome challenges, trouble, and uh, all of the different things that get thrown at you. So that's a little bit about me. Just kind of give you a story about who I am and how I got to where I'm at. I would absolutely love any of your feedback when... Uh, appreciate it. And I uh, would love for you also to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. I certainly hope I have earned five stars from you. And uh, if I haven't, hopefully another episode will will hit those five stars for you. But I really do appreciate uh, all liking, subscribing, and uh, any feedback that you've got, you can you can find the show notes for this episode at TotalFreedomPodcast.com forward slash episode one. And uh, that's it for this episode. I will see you soon on another episode of the Total Freedom Podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Total Freedom with John Racine at www.totalfreedompodcast.com